0: Good morning, I'm John Carroll in for Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, October 13th. An investigation is underway after hundreds of students at a local high school show flu-like symptoms. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The agency dealing with San Diego County's homeless crisis has unveiled a new plan with an ambitious goal, to end homelessness for veterans, families, and seniors in five years. Officials from the county's Regional Task Force on Homelessness say the plan combines the best of federal, state, and local practices and strategies. They say what's needed is a system that's ready to help people in crisis on day one. The task force will also focus on prevention strategies to stem the flow of the next wave of homelessness. Soil and groundwater contaminated by petroleum near the Mission Valley Terminal have been cleaned after decades of work. That's according to the San Diego Regional Water Quality Control Board. Releases from the tanks and distribution operations polluted groundwater in the 1980s. The releases then migrated beneath the parking lot of the former Qualcomm Stadium and the San Diego River. The petroleum contaminants were discovered in groundwater monitoring wells in 1992, but cleanup efforts didn't begin until 2005. If you're in the market for a house, it may be a good time to buy soon. According to a forecast released yesterday by the California Association of Realtors, we can expect a weaker housing market next year. Their report cites an ongoing battle against inflation, keeping interest rates high, and less buyer demand. The forecast says existing single-family home sales are expected to drop more than 7% next year. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
1: Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, Then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you.
0: Hundreds of students at a local high school have come down with flu-like symptoms. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez says the county health department is now investigating. Hundreds of students
2: at Patrick
3: Henry High School in Del Cerro were out sick complaining of a sore throat, cough, wheezing, and body aches. San Diego County health officials are investigating a potential outbreak of the flu or another respiratory virus. Many of the students who are sick attended the Patrick Henry homecoming game and dance last weekend, without wearing masks or social distancing. Dr. Howard Terrace is the San Diego Unified District physician.
0: If it's not COVID, why
3: have so many individuals at one party and one game
0: been able to, to get this?
3: The Centers for Disease Control have already predicted a much worse flu season than last year. The health department is investigating similar outbreaks at other schools around the county. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
0: Imperial County is one of California's poorest counties, but today people there are expecting a gold rush, and the gold is a lightweight metal called lithium. In the first of a two-part series, KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has the story of how it will be mined and who will benefit from it.
2: The geothermal plant run by San Diego-based energy source looks like a refinery sitting on the flat desert land of the Imperial Valley. Since it was built in the township of Calipatria in 2006, it has produced geothermal energy by extracting searing hot water from below ground. But that underground lake has something more than heat. It's loaded with minerals ready to be mined, including manganese, zinc, and lithium. But it's lithium that has spawned a gold rush as the demand for lithium car batteries rockets into the stratosphere. Eric Spomer is the CEO of Energy Source. We started out looking at manganese zinc and lithium but it became clear pretty quickly that all anybody wanted to talk about was lithium. Spomer says their business plan has always envisioned a mining operation. Now that the focus is lithium, they are planning to build a one billion dollar expansion that will allow them to pull that now precious metal from the same salty brine water that has been generating geothermal energy energy source isn't the only game in town. Berkshire Hathaway Energy and Australia-based controlled thermal resources are also planning to mine lithium in Imperial County. They'll be using a new technical process called direct lithium extraction. This is exciting because uh, we have this giant source for lithium. Bill Tong is a professor of chemistry and vice provost at San Diego State. He has been studying lithium for more than 30 years. He says the mining of lithium is a national concern since deposits of the metal have been mined in China and South America. If we are successful in extracting, we could be independent. We don't have to rely on other countries. Direct lithium extraction, or DLE, is a new method that Tong agrees is more environmentally friendly than established ways of mining lithium. Until now, lithium has been taken from open pit mines and evaporation ponds, where brine water is left to dry up, leaving the lithium behind. Spomer says direct lithium mining done with energy sources proprietary technology gets you the cleanest lithium in the world. Compared to evaporation ponds or Hard rock mining, the carbon footprint's almost zero. The physical footprint is very small in comparison, and the water use is very low. Spomer says using DLE mining at the energy source plant means that hot brine water is funneled to the surface where it will be run through their extraction equipment. The lithium-rich water is pushed through a kind of filter which attracts the lithium ion and lets everything else pass through. The brine water is ultimately pumped back below ground, returning to the water table, and energy use is very efficient due to the abundant supply of geothermal power produced by the very same plant. For all its promise, Spomer admits that DLE technology has only been proven in small pilot projects. Some might say that indicates it's not fully tested. Spomer, who expects energy source to produce 20,000 tons of lithium a year, sees it another way on a real commercial scale doing pure DLE, this will be groundbreaking. Energy Source hopes to begin construction of their lithium mining facility by the end of the year and start extracting the metal in 2025. While the large-scale, environmentally-friendly mining of lithium has yet to be seen, people in Imperial County are excited about the promise. Maria Nava Froelich is the mayor pro tem of Calipatria. She calls lithium the new California
1: gold. We think it's a game-changer for our community. We think that uh, it's going to bring in a lot of jobs, community benefits. We do support the excise tax.
2: Tomorrow, we'll learn more about the state tax on lithium and who stands to benefit from the new gold rush in Imperial County. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News.
0: The Navy says it's taken administrative action against three officers after the death of a Navy SEAL candidate in Coronado. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says the Navy investigation of his death has led to some changes for the SEAL's rigorous selection course the navy says it's investigating the actions of three officers after sailor
2: kyle mullen collapsed and died of acute pneumonia just hours after completing the grueling hell week test that's part of qualifying for the navy seals in a press release the naval special warfare command said based on the results of the investigation nswc concluded the death of mullen was in the line of duty not due to his own misconduct commanders did not directly blame the officers for the death of mullen and no one's been fired. But a Navy investigation into his death has caused a number of changes in how sailors are monitored during the Hell Week test. It also prompted the command to expand testing for performance-enhancing drugs. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
0: After a barrage of complaints in August, Customs and Border Protection paused their plans to replace a gate at Friendship Park with a 30-foot border wall. The agency is now reviewing public comments to decide whether to move forward with that project. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis has more.
2: So our fear is that this proposal, the construction of 30-foot walls, would effectively uh, render Friendship Park closed to the public.
0: That's John Fannestill with Friends of Friendship Park. On Wednesday morning, he stood in front of CBP headquarters in Chula Vista with letters signed by hundreds of people opposed to the wall. The agency's stated reason behind building the wall is public safety. But Fanna still is quick to point out that none of the volunteers who work at Friendship Park have ever been injured. And increasing the wall's height from 17 feet to 30 has led to a spike in serious injuries to migrants who've tried to climb it.
2: That's the official rationale for this project, public health and safety. Sadly, if 30-foot walls are imposed, there will be greater threats to health and safety.
0: Friendship Park is the only place along the 2,000-mile U.S.-Mexico border where people from either side can see each other without actually crossing the border. This is the only way some cross-border families can see each other in person. CBP is expected to have a final decision on the park's future by the end of this year. Gustavo Solís, KPBS News. Coming up, we have a COVID update from a local health expert. We'll have that and more next, just after the break.
3: and donate what you can. Alright? Thanks.
0: The number of people who have been vaccinated with the Omicron specific booster shot remains low across the country, and at the same time, new variants of COVID 19 are emerging. This week, LA officials announced they detected a few cases of a new variant called BA2.75.2. It's one that Dr. Anthony Fauci has called suspicious. Dr. Eric Topol is the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman.
2: Let's start by talking about this variant 2.75.2 that's been detected very close to us in Los Angeles. What do we know about it?
3: Well, it's one of the variants of Omicron that's been derived from BA2, as its number uh, shows, that has more immune decoy effects, escape than the ones that we've seen already, like BA5, the the wave we just got through. But it's not as concerning as one that's starting to get rooted here in the US and in many countries in Europe. That one is called BQ.1.1. And you'll be hearing a lot more of that one because it it is the worst one we've seen for immune escape. And there's a concern that'll make further dents in our vaccine protection. So that's why it's really important to get as much protection as you can right now, because it's not only about the, the variants that are out there, which fortunately are in lower numbers than they have been, but what's on the move right now, a, a significant wave in Europe and undoubtedly one that we're going to be confronting here in the U.S. in the weeks ahead. But do our boosters
2: work for these these variants?
3: They will work. We don't have much data on how you know, the magnitude of efficacy for the BA5 variant with respect to not just that particular variant, but these new ones that are cropping up, like the one you mentioned, and the one that is a principal concern that could take over uh, a large part of the world, like BA5 did. So we don't have data for that. We have some lab data from a couple of labs around the world who have been trying to stay ahead of this. And it looks like it's gonna be a, a challenge that, The vaccines, like we've seen, don't do great for protecting from infections and spread, but they help preserve that high level of protection from severe disease, hospitalizations, deaths, and also long COVID. So the rationale for these boosters is not that we're going to have a great job in preventing infections, but just keeping people out of the hospital, keeping them very sick, helping to reduce the toll of long COVID. Those are the real objectives for the booster.
2: You know, today the FDA okayed the booster for elementary school-aged kids. The CDC still needs to sign off on it. How much of an impact could this have on the winter COVID surge many are predicting?
3: Well, I think the uptake of vaccines in children has been very low. Uh, and uh, it's disappointing because the net data shows that it has protective effect. In fact, in the youngest children, the infection protection is pretty good, and that would help with things like school outbreaks. The benefits, of course, are less striking than in people who are older, over age 50 or 60. But uh, the booster is going to be tricky because we haven't even seen the primary uh, series of vaccines used adequately in this country. So getting a booster in the small proportion, the minority of kids, uh, it would help, but uh, we just have to do better vaccines across the board from six months where vaccines are approved all the way through to the oldest Americans.
2: I've been speaking with Dr. Eric Topol, Director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. Dr. Topol, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Uh,
3: Thanks so much, Jade.
0: That was Dr. Eric Topol, the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heinemann. The first woman to serve as president of SDSU has died. Sally Roush was appointed interim president of the university in 2017. During her year on the job, she helped lead the effort to expand the school into Mission Valley on the site of the former Qualcomm Stadium. She spoke to KPBS about it, saying her objective was to develop the site into a community and regional asset. There's a, a higher good to be achieved there if the university is part of the development to uh, expand our growth over the decades to come. We don't think in terms of two or three years on something like this. We think in terms of the hundred and twenty years that we've already been a university and the next hundred and twenty. That development became what we know today as Snapdragon Stadium and work on the Mission Valley campus is underway. SDSU says Rausch also introduced a more culturally sensitive representation of the university's historic Aztec identity. Roush was in hospice care for cancer when she died Friday. She was 75. Climate advocates made it tougher for Simpra Energy employees to get to work yesterday morning. About a dozen protesters blocked the entrance to the company's parking garage at Simpra's downtown San Diego headquarters. San Diego 350's Phil Petrie says Simpra needs to stop dealing in fossil fuels because of the impact on climate change.
2: They want to s- position themselves as a truly sustainable transition company tr- as we transition to clean energy but that's really not the case. They mostly deal in methane, and methane is an extremely potent greenhouse gas. So methane causes climate change. They are still causing climate change, and we need to stop that.
0: Protesters say local residents are feeling the impact of a drought that is more intense because of climate change, and they say the company's energy rates are too high, with one in four families unable to pay their power bills. When reached for comments, Sempra Energy emailed KPBS saying the fact is sustainability is at the core of our business strategy. There are seven statewide propositions on your ballot this fall. With the details you need to cast an informed vote, here's Joe Hong with your Prop in a Minute explainer from Cal Matters. He will explain Proposition 28. Proposition 28 would beef up funding for arts education in school districts, especially those with more low-income students. Today, California requires that all public school students get some form of art instruction, but the quality of education can vary based on where you live. This measure won't raise taxes, but it will affect the budget. Right now, California guarantees that about 40% of the state's general fund goes to education. Prop 28 would add 1% to that and dedicate it to arts instruction. For next year, that comes out to about an additional $1 billion. So far, no one has spent money to oppose the measure. So vote yes if you want California to give more money to schools for art and music. And vote no if you don't. In Sacramento, I'm Joe Hong. You can find explainers on all of this year's ballot propositions at calmatters.org. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. There, you can also listen in or watch the meeting today of the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol. It starts at 10 a.m. I'm John Carroll. Thanks for listening and have a great day.